Move Against Cancer podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma Hillier Moses, Move Charity founder, lover of all things running, travel and tea. And I'm Lucy Gossage, oncologist, outdoor adventure lover and 5K UA co-founder. I'm Georgie Freeman, lover of exploring new places and the 5K UA manager. The reason we originally set up this podcast was to inspire and support and empower people to move and live an active and fulfilling life despite a cancer diagnosis. In this podcast, we want to share the stories of ordinary people doing incredible things as they find their own way to move against cancer. Going through cancer treatment can feel incredibly isolating and lonely. There's so much behind every individual cancer journey and so much of it is unseen and often unspoken. We want to explore the ways our guests navigate their way through the unimaginable. And we hope that by doing this, we can provide you with some tips, some tools and some inspiration to make your journey that little bit easier. We'll cover every aspect of living with and after cancer, from physical and psychological well-being, identity, goal setting, mindset, staying active, grief and loss, family and friends, and so much more. We will make you laugh, but we also may make you cry. But we guarantee that you'll take something away from every single episode. So we do really hope that you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome back to the Move Against Cancer podcast. Um, Blimey, it feels a long time since I've been here. Um, There are a few good reasons for that. Firstly, I've had a much needed holiday uh, for anyone who's interested. I ran across Wales, or attempted to run across Wales. there was a bit more walking than I expected. Um, and I then had a lovely time recovering in on a Greek island. Um, but before that, as well as a pretty hectic time in the NHS, I've also been super busy with all the cool booth stuff that we've had going on. We've been at quite a few conferences speaking about our work. And we also, at the end of June, celebrated our fourth birthday um, and we were really, uh, really lucky to be joined at the Nottingham Group, which was the first group that we started back in 2018 by BBC East Midlands Today, who made a really brilliant video clip kind of celebrating the group. Um, Georgie and Jade have been launching lots of new groups and it's really exciting seeing um, new groups get together and work out new ideas of how to, to kind of promote them and grow them. Um, we're currently planning a relaunch of our online workshops um, and also a massive revamp of our educational resources. These are both things that we've been wanting to work on for a while, but just due to time, we, we haven't had the um, kind of manpower to do it. Um, but this is work in progress. So if you have any questions about exercising, staying active with or after cancer that you'd like answering, or if you have ideas for workshops, please do get in touch with us um, either on social media or by uh, emailing us on info at 5kyourway.org. We've got lots of ideas, but actually we really want to hear from you guys because um, you're the people that can tell us what needs answering most importantly. Um, Also, if you are looking for kind of more support uh, through uh, your cancer journey, if you're you're suffering with cancer, recovering from cancer, um, or if you have a family member who's undergoing treatment or or finished treatment, um, we do have a growing 5K Your Way Move Against Cancer Facebook group. And it's really lovely, actually, to see people in that group um, starting to share ideas and experiences for how to get active, stay active, just live life um, as best they can during and after cancer treatment. So check out the 5K Way Move Against Cancer Facebook group if you're interested. Um, 
I also had an amazing day celebrating the finale of Luke Grenfell Shaw's epic ride from Bristol to Beijing um, and was absolutely thrilled to join his final ride from Bristol to Bath. Um, it was an amazing day. Luke's actually, I met Luke back in, at, right at the start of his ride um, because he wanted to fundraise for 5k your way and he's since become a really good friend. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, do take a listen to Helen's interview with Luke in the last episode of the podcast. Um, he's a he's a really inspiring guy. He's quite unique. Um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying that, but he's definitely got some messages that worth sharing. Um, thanks to Jenny Wallace, who messaged me after listening to that episode to say, first move podcast I've caught. He's incredible, inspiring stuff. I think that just just about sums it up. It's always great to hear from listeners, um, particularly people tuning in for the first time. So please do get in touch. Sometimes we wonder whether anyone listens and it makes our day when we hear back from people who've um, who've listened and taken something from the, the episodes. Anyway, that's enough waffle from me. It is really great to be back and I'm super excited about the guests that we've got lined up in the coming months. So on to today's episode. Now, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, Generally, or quite often those with elite athletes, CEOs and general high performers or perhaps even overachievers. And high performance, it is inspiring. We all like to hear from the fastest athlete, from the founder of a huge company, from someone who's made a name for themselves in the media. You know, well-known people, I guess celebrities for whatever they've achieved. But for a long time, I've known that for me at least, equally perhaps even if not more inspiring, are the people who manage to keep a semblance of normality when their lives are turned upside down by cancer. So these people might not be winning medals or making millions or hitting the front pages of magazines. They're not well-known names that are recognized nationwide. They're just ordinary people doing what under normal circumstances might just be ordinary things. But what makes them extraordinary, what makes them inspiring to me, is that they're finding ways to keep life as normal as possible, despite the juggle of chemotherapy, surgery, radiotherapy, hospital appointments, and very often an uncertain future. One of the main reasons that we wanted to start this podcast was because we wanted to showcase some of these stories. And today we're going to do just that. So I'm talking to Connor Fleming. Connor is just a normal young man in his 20s. He got a new job about a year ago. He works full time. He really loves playing cricket and football. And last week, he scored 105 runs in his club cricket match, which takes a pretty big amount of fitness, I would imagine. Now, I think if you met Connor on the cricket field, you just think that he was your average 27-year-old, perhaps someone with an exceptional batting prowess, but nothing that stands him out from any other 27-year-old. You would have no idea he has cancer you would have no idea what he has to go through each week to keep his life as normal as possible. Now, I've known Connor for around two and a half years, and ever since I first met him, actually, I've been in awe of the way he's carving his own path through cancer and just cracking on with life as best he can amongst all the uncertainty and all the crappiness. Um, So today, I feel really privileged to be able to chat to Connor, hopefully not as doctor and patient, but just as a one-to-one chat Um, to really explore how he's finding his own way to move against cancer. I hope you enjoy it. Connor, um, feels a bit weird, doesn't it? Seeing you at the hospital without a mask. (laughs) I know exactly what you're saying on that one. 
<laughs> I actually think it's the first time I've seen and I think it's pretty much the first time I've seen your face in quite a long time um, although we have seen each other quite regularly um, you probably haven't seen mine well I, I was a bit naughty I took it off yesterday in clinic didn't I but um, yeah before that you probably haven't seen it since 20 early 2020 had you yeah it's been a long time Lucy but it's a pleasure to see your face as always so we first met um about two and a half years ago I was looking back actually to try and work out when it was um and I I wasn't the first doctor you met at Nottingham you met Dr Hennig um and that I I actually find that quite hard as an oncologist because the first meeting is when you get to ask all the questions about what you like so tell me a little bit about the Connor kind of three three and a half years ago way before all of this started um I mean, I was I was what you'd expect from a 24-year-old, to be honest. You know, spent a lot of time with my friends, uh, as you know, avid sportsman. You couldn't get you couldn't get me away from playing something or ever, whether that's football, cricket, whatever. Um, yeah, do you know what? I, I I would say I was a normal 24-year-old. Um, I'd say life was just starting to peak, if you like. Um, but yeah, yeah, and I'd say I think the best way I was an average twenty-four-year-old. What you'd expect from a twenty-four-year-old nowadays, anyway. Yeah, and that well, that's kind of reassuring because that's what I actually described you as in my um, introduction. Twenty-seven-year-old, you're twenty-seven now, aren't you? I'm twenty-seven now. Yeah, just a, a normal twenty-seven-year-old doing his thing. Um, and you 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 mentioned you love sports, all kinds of sports, don't you? And I think that's one of the things that struck me about you ever since I first met you. Yeah, there's 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 not really there's not really any sport I haven't tried my look with or tried to participate in or you know even watch on the telly. It's 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 the main. It's my, it's my passion. Sports is my passion. Uh, obviously, I've got my favourites and stuff, but that's it's it's my uh it's in my soul sports definitely um i know you're i know you're pretty much the same keeping active and things like that um it's 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 a massive passion of mine and uh, i don't know where i'd be without it to be honest with you <laughs> and right right now you're playing loads of cricket aren't you so the reason that we're doing this was because you messaged me uh and said something along the lines of still got it dr gossage having scored 105 <laughs> runs at cricket <laughs> yeah i um i count that as one of my best achievements given what's going off with me at the minute and stuff and what i've been through in the past um to to do that i was really really proud of myself and i do set quite high standards for myself so um it does it you know i have to do a lot to, you know satisfy myself if you like in that in that area but yeah I'm, i was really happy with myself and i thought i'm i've got to let dr gossage know about this she'll she'll be so happy and um yeah and, and you were for me weren't you you know like your message message that you sent me back just keep doing what you're doing like it, it meant a lot it meant a lot do you know i i really i really was really happy because yeah i i, I know how important that is to you and i also I mean, i'm not a cricket player i know very little about cricket but i imagine getting 105 runs takes quite a lot of fitness um and i i bet a lot of people watching had no idea what you're going through to achieve that yeah it's it did. It took a. It took some stamina, which I didn't know I still had in me. To be honest, um, 
obviously it was it was a really hot weekend as well so that took it out of me and like you know obviously you've seen i, I presume you've seen bits on telly when you've got all the gear on and stuff yeah. like the helmet on and everything and it, i think i battled for like two and a half hours something like that um it was a long time and it really did take it out of me but i found it I found it within myself to just sort of like keep going. Like I wasn't thinking, oh, you're going to get a hundred at the time. I was just, I was concentrating on winning the match, which we did end up winning in the end. Thank, thank the Lord. We, we wasn't, we probably weren't expected to win. That's why it was a, a little bit special. Um, but it obviously it made even more special given the fact of what I'm going through at minute. Um, it shows that, you know, I've still, I've still got it. I can still push myself. It's probably the best I've I've ever played, and I was I was really happy with myself and all my friends from down down at the cricket club and everything. They were so happy for me, and uh, yeah, it, it was fantastic. One of one of the best experiences of my life. Do they? Do your do your cricket team know what what you're going through at the moment? Uh, yeah, it's quite it's quite well known now. Um, it was well known the first time around as well, yeah. obviously, because uh, when I turned up like, and I'd like lost most of my hair and stuff, like it was like, Connor, where's your hair gone? You know, um, but yeah, every, everyone knows like what what's happening and stuff, and they're incredibly supportive. Um, we like we like a big family down there, so yeah. like we all look after each other, sort of thing. Like we're we're a really tight knit sort of like little community, if you like, because we're all local lads as well. Um, some girls as well play and the and stuff. So, do you yeah. think? Did the other team know? Did the other team know that you had cancer and you're on treatment? Um, and I, I knew a couple of lads from the other team as well. So they like one of them knew, and the odd person from the opposition that I know, because if like cr- cricketers tend to know each other. Um, yeah. There was, there was actually there was a lad there was a couple of lads from Hucknall that asked me the other week how stuff was going. I was like, "How do you know?" You know, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there was a couple that was aware. There were a couple that were aware, and they congratulated me just as much as my own teammates did. They were they were more than happy for me. So yeah. All right, so it's I mean, the, so I said it. You haven't heard the introduction. You'll hear it when we get to put it out. But. Um... I uh, the more I the more I do oncology, the more I get inspired by like you you called yourself just a normal a normal twenty seven year old and you are to all intents and purposes. If you take away the cancer, you're just a Joe Bloggs twenty seven year old who's getting on with life. But what people don't realise is what you're what you have to overcome to get on with a normal life. And I, you know, there's all these superheroes, there's people doing crazy stuff, there's people becoming famous. But but I just think people like you who are living their life and finding a way to keep normality through cancer it's so inspiring and that's why I, you know when you messaged me I'd actually I'd actually been wanting to ask you for a while but that was a trigger and I thought do you know what now's the time I'm going to ask Connor and see what he thinks about coming and chatting so yeah it's super cool to yeah super cool to be able to, ha- to chat to you kind of properly not not as your doctor but just as a you know a person finding out what life is is like for you um Tell tell everyone who's listening a bit about kind of your cancer when you were diagnosed. What's happened since then? Just in your own words. So, I've got a rare, if you like, I've got a rare soft tissue cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma, 
which is mainly found in your you you know of you you know your onions <laughs> but I'm sure it's most commonly found in younger girls, like under the age of nine. Am I correct in saying that? Well, definitely younger people, boys as well as girls, but yeah. 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 Um, I, was di- I was diagnosed just before the pandemic, January 2020. So as soon as I started, you know, my treatment and everything like that, and then it was the lockdown on top of that, and I had all my issues going off and... It was at the time. To- at the time when I was diagnosed, it felt obviously, as I'm sure it does for everybody, it felt like the absolute end of the world. Um, but yeah, um, I sort of. I'm trying. Sorry, I'm trying to think of best way to put this. I sort of always had it in me, sort of thing in my head that you will, you are gonna get back to doing what you love obviously you know like playing sports you know socializing you know things like that like what a normal 24 year old at the time would do and that was always in my head and obviously you know I had other complications in like Mm. the urology area and stuff like that that I had to overcome um obviously I had to overcome the cancer first before I could address that issue um it was it was a very very long process but I did get the I, did, I got there in the end, so I'm really proud of myself with that. So you had you had what seven months of a pretty intensive chemo, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I I had seven months. I think it was six cycles in total. Probably uh, a bit more than that, I think. But um, I think it was six. But you also then had. So you, when you started, I think you had tubes because your kidneys were blocked. So you had tubes coming out to drain your kidneys. Yeah, yeah. And then you had the bane of your life, the superpubic catheter. Oh. <laughs> oh god, yeah. um, that that's that was the only thing that stopped me, like you know, playing sports and stuff like that. But I still even managed to find time to go on odd bike ride, you know, when I had that and stuff. So. Yeah, that like you say, it was the absolute bane of my life, and that them sort of issues they started just before I was diagnosed, and them pro them problems we think are unrelated, um, but yeah, like you say, that was the absolute bane of my life. I was dealing, with, I was dealing with that sort of issue, you know, with you know with all these tubes coming out of me and stuff like that. I was like, <laughs> I don't, I didn't even feel human at that point. Um, I've still got the scars now. <laughs> I'm impacted mm-hmm. to prove it um yeah I re- I, honestly I really didn't feel human but again it was that same voice in my head telling me you will get back to what you were doing you will get back there's there's no there was there was no doubt in my mind after after the the chemo after going through the chemotherapy and stuff like that and you know talking to you and Dr Hennig um I and the support I've got not just from my friends, but my parents as well. They've supported me as well as anything. Obviously, you know, my mum and dad quite well. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was a difficult time. It was. It was a really difficult time. But that's what, what kept me going was the want to get back. I think just keep telling myself over and over again but obviously i did have my breakdowns at some point which is normal of course you do mm, of course it is yeah there's no there's nothing wrong with that and but that's when that's when you need like the support of you know like your friends your mum and dad 
and stuff like that telling you like your close family telling you that you can do this you know like because i was i quite i classed myself as quite lucky really because as soon as i started the chemotherapy the results weren't instant but you could tell there was an improvement if you remember with mm. how swollen my leg was i think i went through two rounds of chemotherapy and my leg was pretty much back to normal and then after three rounds of chemotherapy i managed to get the nephrostomy bags out, out my back the tubes that were training my kidneys um i still had the other tube in my stomach to drain my bladder obviously but that was a that was an issue that wasn't related to cancer. Um, so I, yeah, I remember. I, yeah, I remember chatting to you quite a lot, obviously along the way, and and I found it really hard that for you, the chemo was almost manageable, but what was stopping you doing what you wanted to be doing, which was I know so important to you, your sports, was that superbubic catheter that yeah. probably was actually nothing to do with the cancer, um, and. Yeah, it, it used to make me just really, really sad, actually, that it was stopping you and you, you, you felt, well, there, there was, you felt there was no way that you could do what you love because of this tube coming out of your bladder. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought about it a few times. I spoke to my parents like, do you know what? Even with this tube in me, I'm just going to try and play, you know, like, and then re reality, like, really, you know, if you, if, because, I, I mean, I play I play football as well, you know, with the contacts mm. and stuff. That was a bit out of the question. But, you know, especially for cricket, um, if if I got hit with a ball or anything in and around that area, that could cause even bigger complications. Probably wasn't thinking straight at the time, but it was just out of frustration because, like you say, it was so important to me and it's what I've done my whole life. And and what um you you kind of drove your treatment in to some extent as well because that was for you that was your biggest issue, um and you instigated getting that removed by and 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 all the treatment that you had done in Sheffield with the surgeons to get that sorted out and kind of I think Dr Henning and I you know you you almost told us what to do to make to make life for you as good as possible and and we tried to work the cancer treatment around getting that sorted for you for you so that you could go back to doing what you love yeah yeah it was um it was it was the case of we need to you know we've got bigger fish to fry at minute with the, with the cancer we need to sort of we need to get that under control before because I, you know i was nowhere near strong enough in myself to go through because mm. it was quite a major operation i needed to get that tube out um and I wasn't, I was nowhere near strong enough to do it. Um, but, you know, I spoke to you and Dr. Enig extensively about it. And he said, he said, as soon as, you know, as soon as you, you, this is under control, we'll, we'll get in touch with, with Sheffield, which you guys did for me on my behalf a lot of the time, which I thank you for, because that helped push it forward. Well, you did a lot of it though, Connor. I think there was a lot of times that you were phoning, phoning yourself to, to get stuff through. Yeah, and I took my hats off to Royal Alamshire in Sheffield. They were fantastic. They um, to say it was the pandemic as well when how many operations got put back, and they still managed to get me in fairly sharpish, considering, you know, they had to they was ready for me, and then they had to wait for the cancer, and then the pandemic hit. Um, but they still managed to get me in pretty quickly, all things considered. So I'm really grateful to the guys at Royal Alamshire, the urology team especially, 
they were they were fantastic. They, uh, I mean, if they wanted to sort of cracked on, if you like, you know, like I could have been waiting another year or so, and that'd have been another year missing doing what I love, and and that that year that year they did it. I had a, I had a great year sports wise as well, so. I put that. I put a lot of that down to them, and you, of course, and Doctor Henry. <laughs> you do. Oh, you yeah. need to turn this into a, a appreciation <laughs> society. <laughs> so, so you had, so you had all this chemo, and it, you know, you, you're kind of making light of it, but it, it's tough treatment. It really affected your the worst. One of the worst side effects for you was numbness and and neuropathy, wasn't it? And your particularly in your fingers. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really annoying. You don't actually realise until you get that how much you depend on your hands for like everything. Yeah, um, it was that that was probably I I probably put that secondary because the the you know the sickness and stuff that you go through like there's people like there's people that's on more intense treatment than what I was on and I don't know how they you know how they cope with it. I mean, you can get all the anti sickness all the anti-sickness drugs in the world but you know it's not always guaranteed to work for you it will some people it will it won't others um yeah it, it was it was pretty rough it was pretty rough um but like you say the neuropathy, neuropathy for me the numbness in the hands that that was massive it you do <laughs> it affects you know you're driving like everything really it's not you, it's something you're not used to either. It's like a feeling that you're not used to. It's like you could put your hand on something and not realise you're touching it sort of thing. Mm. Um, it, it, that that did get really bad at one stage, but that fortunately for me, it managed, it managed to sort of subside and as time went on, my hands did get a lot better. Uh, which, and that right. was a juggle that we had, wasn't it? Because um, one of the hardest things, uh, and and this is really what I wanted to really want to talk to, because you've always you've always made the decisions with us, and it's always felt very collaborative. That you know, the the decision about whether you include all the drugs and the vincristine was you know one of the drugs that makes the neuropathy worse, and we decided to take that out. That's quite a tricky decision, isn't it? Because it's balancing a drug that might have some effect on the cancer with a side effect that's stopping you living life. And it, it's yeah. a hard struggle to get. Well, you, you've, I think you've said this to me on many occasions. You've got to sort of find the balance between that and quality of life. Mm. And, and I felt at the time it was probably the right decision because my, the treatment was working really well. Very fortunate to have the treatment working really well for me, having excellent results. Um, pretty much from the get-go, so that did make the decision a little bit easier. But I, but I agree with what you're saying. It wasn't so. It wasn't as straightforward as that. It took a lot of you know conversations with you know, people that were close to me. Like, do you think I should? What do you think? And things like that. But I think in I think in the end we made the right decision. I really do because I got my I got my hands back. Like mm, clearly, yeah, clearly yeah. that that was everything to me. Um, you know, like because I was still like trying to like, as you know, I was still trying to work at the time, and like you know, doing what I do, I'm a printer, so I need my I need my hands. You know, I do a bit of lifting. Like I'm always sort of like grabbing something. I'm, I'm either doing that, I'm typing, whatever. So it was very important to me that, as it is to everybody, like that I got the feelings back in my hands. Um, I'm, 
I'm going through it slightly now, which but we spoke yesterday. Uh, yeah. That's getting a bit better. Uh, I think scoring the 100 as well, I think that gave you some kind of indication that, you know, that it's getting a little bit better. I was able to hold the bat and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it, that, that was very difficult. That was probably, that was a ch- very challenging side effect, like amongst many others, amongst many others. And and you mentioned work, so you have tried to keep on working as much as you can all the way through, um, and then you went and got another job, like a new job, which is a big thing for anyone who's 26, 25, 20, I think, so, and I just remember you phoning me up and saying, yeah, I'm going for an interview. That, yeah, yeah. Do you have any idea about how, how amazing that is, to be on treatment, going through everything, and then you go and get a new job in the middle of it? Yeah, um... I think I think it's really important you like keep on moving. You've got to keep on moving the best you can. Um, that turned out to be one of my best decisions ever. Uh, getting that new job, which is where I'm at at the minute. The guys there are like so support. Like they were, they were so supportive at my at my last place. But I just felt I'd been there since I was 18, mm. and I thought you know it's time for a a change and a new challenge that I'd sort of, that'd do me good. Like sort of maybe help me help me through what I was going through at the time. Um, and it was a decision that I probably should have took a few years prior, but given what was going off, obviously that wasn't possible. But, yeah, it it like I say, the new challenge, that's, that helped me through everything else, I think. You know, like getting to know new people, getting to learn a new role, things like that, learning, learning a pretty yeah learning a new industry for me it's sort of I think it's important you've got to keep your mind occupied because otherwise you're going to be thinking you're going to like the cancer is going to be on your mind 24 7 which I'm sure it is for a lot of people but that's just my best way of coping with it like keeping occupied keeping my mind occupied like I said to you yesterday I'm always doing something like you know Mm. whether that's after work or whatever and that was a great way for me to sort. It was a it was a great coping mechanism for me, because I'm like, and on top of that, I was with, I'm now I'm with a great set of lads that they're so supportive of me, um, or even all the management like they they are so supportive. Like it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It really is. Did they? Did you tell them about your cancer when you went for the job, or was that something you told them after? Uh, that was something I told them about afterwards. I think, I think that was like a wise decision. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew, I mean, they knew to some extent that I'd not been very well because, like, there was a bit of a like gap in my CV sort of thing. Or what were you doing at this point? Um, but yeah, I told I told them afterwards, and they were they were completely understanding of it. Um, it was it was more when I got more I got more bedded in at that place and. I so I just sort of mentioned it like oh I've been through you know this before and stuff like that, um, but yeah, I can't I can't thank my new company enough for how good they've been with me, which they don't they don't have to be you know like it's they're running a business at end of day, but they've done everything they can in order to make sure that I can keep to as much normality as possible. Um, and that that means such a great deal to me. Do you think that's testament to the kind of person you are, Connor? That that um, you 
I remember. I remember the. This wasn't too long ago, actually, but I remember my my managing director. I was speaking to him about it, and he's he's constantly asking, like the owner of the company is constantly asking how I am and stuff like that. He uh, he actually he actually paid for me when he found out that my cancer had come back. He found, he he actually paid for me to go to Wembley to watch Liverpool and Man City in like a private box sort of thing really? which which is like which as you can imagine them tickets were not cheap at all um yeah. and i think it, but yeah anyway back to what i was saying i remember speaking to him about it and i remember he said to me he says if you keep putting the effort in so will i and like i can really appreciate that because i i do i'll give 110 i'd give 110 percent every single day and I, yeah, I, that's the minimum the, like I I could give for that company, but they they repay me by supporting me when you know they, they really don't have to. They, they've honestly, Lucy. I think I've I've spoke to you about it before. They they've backed me one million percent all through this, and it, bet, it means so much. It's such a like weight off your shoulders like even when I was unable to do what I do because obviously I do a lot of, I do like large format printing I do like a lot of heavy lifting and stuff um even even when I wasn't able to do that they found things to do like you know I'd be on computer I'd be doing a bit of driving here there and everywhere and they stayed patient with me and now thankfully I'm back doing what I was doing uh, I'm back like printing, which is like that's my trade. That's what I do, so I'm I'm glad for that. But they've been so patient with me. It's I really can't thank them enough. But you're probably you know you're turning up with cancer on treatment, doing your job. You're probably changing the way that they think about cancer completely without even realizing it. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a few guys that's uh, like that I've spoke to with, at my company where you know their families had it or their partners or whatever um they, un they understood it a lot better than i thought they understood it a lot better than what i thought um I've, it's so important for me though lucy i don't know how, how anyone else would feel about this but to keep going to, to keep going to work and just feeling that little bit normal having a good crack with the lads you know just getting on with doing what you were doing before and I don't know. I, it's it's another it's another coping mechanism for me. Like it helps me cope with it so much. If I was if I wasn't going to work, which you know I'd understand why some people wouldn't want to go. I'd completely understand that. But I'd my mind would be ticking twenty four seven then about mm. you know, the, the worst the worst and stuff like that. So I've got something to channel my energy on. You know, keep going to work and trying to do the best I can. So you you had most of your well your first line treatment during COVID, didn't you? Which yeah. you know, cancer's pretty shitty. Oh. Um, cancer in COVID is just a nightmare. And and you were twenty five, I think. So you were just outside the teenage young cancer support, which cuts off at twenty four. So in all levels, you were just completely shafted. Yeah. How, how the hell did you manage to go for you know without visitors without family and friends being able to visit and everything on the phone and i think it was i think it was because 
a lot of it was because of I know uh, first time around how well the treatment was working for me and I was counting down the cycles like come on just last four now last four like you can do this then it was last three last two last one um yeah it was it was it was rough but the the staff at Nottingham City the especially on the on the teenage ward on the Hogarth ward where I was um they they were they were phenomenal they're that they a lot of them were more like friends than nurses to me so <laughs> that 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 helped me a lot but don't get me wrong anyone that was going through treatment at that time you know you it it killed you that you couldn't you couldn't have anyone with you at the time you know you, like a lot of time you would be on your own but like i say the nurses were absolutely phenomenal you, I, can't I, remember, I remember you came one day and you told me about um I can't remember who it was. It was it was a it wasn't a nurse. It was someone on the day case unit who was um, a male guy, a guy who's just making life so much easier. You bought him a bottle of whiskey or something. Ah, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was from uh, List Award. That was, that was it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm actually going there tomorrow. So I'm hoping to bump into him actually. Who was it? It was just a support uh, worker, wasn't it? Was it? Is a nurse? Is a nurse on List? His name's Kirk. And I'd have to go there to get my pick line dressing changed, yeah. which it's not really, it's not very pleasant. And like a couple of times I had to go and get my catheter changed in there. And he, yeah, he was, he was absolutely brilliant. Like it's sort of like, he, it it wasn't just the fact he was, he was more like a friend to me, which I'd, I'd class him as a friend because like, I wasn't a fan of getting like my catheter changed and things where they're ripping a big tube out your stomach and you know it's all grim because it's not it's not done delicate it can't be done like delicately they've got yeah. to literally pull it out of you and it's it's not a pleasant experience I wouldn't wish it upon anyone to be honest but just the little things like he'd stay with me when that was happening and he'd tell me like don't worry mate like it's it's gonna be 30 seconds it's gonna be over he supported i'm not saying like they didn't all support me incredibly but i i really got on well with kirk as well um i think actually i don't i think he might uh, he might have broke his wrist or something like that so I'm I, I just yeah i just remember you telling me about the impact he had and i i actually really reflected on how one person can make such a big difference to to someone's kind of treatment pathway and journey yeah he did um, because going in and getting your dressing changed it's not particularly pleasant you know you don't really want it but it sort of made me not bothered about it because i know, wish people could see your face when you were saying that <laughs> <laughs> not particularly pleasant is probably the understatement <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, it just made me think about it for a, a second or two. It's it's not very pleasant now, but <laughs> but yeah, Kurt, Kurt was absolutely fantastic on on the list award. He was absolutely fantastic. I can't thank him enough. I we actually I actually nominated him for an award. I can't yeah, remember what the award yeah. was called. Yeah, but he deserves he deserves that ten times over because obviously I'm not sure what he's like with everyone else, but he was like that with me. And he made he made it so much more bearable, like just Costarares was his demeanour, you know the way he, like it, it was humorous as well, like you know he always found time for a laugh and a joke and stuff, and that that meant a lot, and it it will mean a lot to like someone that's going through all this, because you, for me, like I say, I've said it many times now, you want to try and feel as normal as possible, and I felt more like a a friend to him rather than a patient, if you know yeah. what I mean, which that can do the world of good. And 
so you i think you you finished so you had when you finished your main chemo you then had maintenance chemo which is it's kind of low dose chemo for about a year i think in total didn't you yeah i had that for about a year and then you had i think about six months seven months where you were off treatment yeah 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 correct and then it came back yeah so it came back in March of this year, I believe, somewhere in and around there. I'm losing track of time, to be honest with you, because it's just it's been filled with cancer these last three years. What it feels like, anyway. Um, yeah, that, that's that's just the sad reality of it. As come back, some people it does, some people it doesn't. But this time around's a little bit different, Lucy. It's got a bit of a different feel to it because I haven't got all them tubes coming out of me this time. I'm still able to go and do what I love, play my sports. I'm still going, bar the week when I'm on treatment, I'm still going to work full time. Um, yeah, this, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this treatment's easy or anything like that, or it's easy, easier to go through, but it's, it's more, it's much more bearable this time. Um, also this time around, I'm only having a couple hours. Well, I'm probably in, I'm probably in the chemotherapy day case for like, two and a half hours as opposed to my main treatment what I went through first time I was in for three days at a time like constantly being pumped with chemo which wasn't very pleasant but th this what I'm doing now it's a bit more bearable in my opinion can you remember what what you felt like when you learned that it was a cancer that was causing your symptoms again did you know um it were it was it was it wasn't sort of disbelief but it was like <laughs> i always knew because what i felt first up i had a bit of a lump on my abdomen and yeah. i it was always a it was always a possibility because i know that i've got a rare and aggressive cancer and like with like you and dr ennig's always said to me we can we can only see so much on a CT scan. So I always knew it was a possibility. I was, I was, my mind was sort of half prepared for it. If you like, I mean, don't get me wrong. That didn't make it any easier, but yeah, I, I felt pretty alone at that point in time. Like, well, I'm not at all, but I felt pretty alone and down, obviously. Um, but like I say, this this time to go through it, I've got my sports to get me through, and you know work and and everything. It was it, it was a sad it was it was really sad, but it, it is what it is. Did you tell your mum and dad when you were worried straight away, or did you try and protect them for a bit? Um, I tried to protect them for a little bit because it was more the case of if they don't know then maybe it's not happening if you if you get what i mean mm. um but i told them af after a while when i thought there's a possibility this could be something we could be worried about i, thought, I mean there was every chance it couldn't be like i didn't know at the time um i kept a close eye on it for a week or so just to see if this lump like grew any bigger and it, it didn't get bigger as such but it got a little bit harder straight away so 
I got on the phone to your secretary straight away and I went to see Dr. Dr. Hennig and he examined me and uh, then we went for a scan and, you know, um, yeah, and then he gave me the bad news a week or so later. And yeah, it, it, it was it was a it was a very it was a very bad time, but you know it is what it is, and we just keep going, don't we? That's damn right, you do. And you know, when did you first get back to cricket? Then when because it must have only it must have come back before the season started. I guess the season yeah. yeah so I found out in March, and then a week later, I had to have another tube put back in. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh my, like everything's going wrong. Because <laughs> I'd been looking forward to playing, obviously. Um, but then, same again, I'd had a couple of rounds of treatment. Things are starting to look a little bit better. Um, so then I could, get the, I could get the tube taken out. So literally, I got the tube taken out on the Wednesday. And I got in touch with the captain of the team, like, I'm ready. I'm back straight away. It was the first person I contacted. I got it out, like... I think it was about half past 12 or something like that because I'd had a meeting with Dr Hennig on that morning um yeah so it was about half past 12 they took it out for me and by 25 to I was on phone to captain like you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm ready like <laughs> I'm ready to play and um yeah yeah and did you did you like kind of had you been trying to stay fit during that time when you couldn't play cricket had you been doing anything at home I'm going to be honest with you, and you might be a little bit disappointed in me, but not really. No, I was, um, I was a little, I was a little bit down. Well, um, I think you were more than a little bit down. I mean, and, I've and always, I... I've always been relative. I mean, you saw me at my worst. I think you know. I think you know which meeting I'm referring to. Like when I was absolutely, I, I was absolutely gone. Like my head had gone at that point. But you know, like I say, like I said earlier. I was probably going through a bit of a breakdown at that point, which it's completely it's completely normal. Like people going through cancer and treatment, and especially finding out when you thought you know it's it's over, which you do. You do think it's over when you see when you've got clear CT scans and you're like, yes, like I'm done. You do. You can't help that. But but in the back of your mind, you know it's you know there's a possibility, but. Yeah, like when it when it came back, it was sort of wow, here we go again, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't really trying to stay fit. To be honest, I was I was probably engaged in more sport on the television than anything. To be honest, trying to just keep my mind occupied. But there wasn't. There's, I'm so limited when you've got you know the super pubic catheter in and stuff. You're so limited as to what you can do. Uh, you can probably go on a, a bike ride or something like that, but that's probably not recommended for someone that's had a urethroplasty operation like what I've had. So that's that was one more thing out the window. Uh, I, pl- I played a, I played a lot of like Q sports at that time, like a lot of snooker and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I was play I was playing a lot of that to sort of pass the time. So that's not really going to keep you fit, is it? But I've always I've always been in relatively decent shape anyway. Um, Wait, so. Cause, so I, I guess I've got two points on that. Um, now I'm going to have forgotten them. No, firstly, you 
you're very mature in the way that you process stuff emotionally and actually just listening back to what you said you of course you had a you had a really dark patch which almost would be I think I I'd be much more worried if people didn't have a dark patch when they told they're told their cancer come back because it, it it means you're not dealing with it you're not processing it yeah but despite that you then have developed strategies and this is what is like it's so inspiring from from you and and other young people like yourself how you without any training without any skill sets you develop strategies to find your way out of the dark patches and you perhaps more than more than most people just always find a way to 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 make life as normal as possible and and get back to doing what you love despite whatever else is going on in the background I, rem- I remember just going back to what you said first about how I process things and, you know, like my dark patch and stuff. And I remember speaking to Dr. Hennig. Uh, it was probably my fourth or fifth meeting with him or something like that. And I remember saying to him, like, Dr. Hennig, I've had a bit of a breakdown. And I remember him saying to me, I'd be more concerned if you didn't. Mm. And that that made so much sense to me. That made so yeah. much sense, like... Yeah, do you know what? You're right. You're right. It's completely okay because, you know, it's like you say, it's how you process things. And I'm not trying to say I'm invincible or anything like or anything like that. But I do. I, I feel I've dealt with it pretty well. But I think you you've got to let your emotion out in some way. Um whether that's you want to burst out into tears, whether you want to go and punch a brick wall, whatever you want to do, you've you've got to let your emotion out because it feels a, a damn sight better after. Do you think you knew? Do you think you knew that before cancer? Probably not, as a as a young bloke. Uh, no, because like I say, I like you know the the respect I've got for you and Doctor Hennig. Like for someone like that to say that an incredibly intelligent individual. For him to say that, like, that made it resonate a little bit more with me. Like, yeah, do you know what? You, yeah, you're spot on there. I, so probably, probably not. Probably not. Do you, do you have, I was going to say, oh, I'm going to have to make Evo listen to this. Um, although he might get, I always say he's got a big head, so he might get an even bigger head. <laughs> <laughs> do you, um, did you have any idea how resilient you were before you, you were diagnosed with cancer? Um, no, not really, because I don't know, you, people, like, they've often, like, people said to me, like, oh, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing and stuff like that, but you don't know, like, what you've got in the tank until you've got to go through it, you know, you don't know what you've got until you've got to, if you like. Um, I never imagined I'd be like this because you can't put like for someone that's never had cancer, you can't put yourself in that situation where, oh, how would I react to this? How would I react to that? You know, for any any kind of scenario, really, you can't you can't think, oh, I'd react in that way or that way because you've ne- if you've never been in that situation, you don't know what you're going to be like at the time. So, no, I, I wouldn't say I did know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say I was resilient. I'd have been. Re- I'm a resilient type of person, to be honest. Before all this, but I'd probably say I am now. <laughs> Definitely are. And like final question. And I, yeah, I could go on chatting to you forever, but maybe not forever. But um, 
if you, you know, another 25 year old about to get diagnosed with cancer, similar to, to what you are, what would you say to them if, you know, in those first couple of weeks where their, their, their world is falling in around them? I'd, first of all, I'd say exactly what Dr. Enig said to me. I'd say, like, look, it, it's absolutely normal if you want to have a breakdown. Um, the, 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 treat, the, treat, the cancer treatments now are, are so well advanced that it doesn't mean you can't get back. Because someone hears the word cancer, you know, and everyone automatically thinks the worst course they do. But there's no reason you can't get back and, and come back even better than you were before. Because I did that, like sports-wise, I did. I improved myself as a person. I got myself a better job. I come back that the season, the cricket season I had after I'd finished my cancer treatments. It was the best season I'd ever had by a long way. I scored most runs in my club, um, and I scored my first, my first I hope of many hundreds. Like after my first round, after my first like lot of chemo that I had, and I, I, you know, I came back. I played football. You know, and things like that. So there's no reason that you can't come back as you were before, or even better. There's there's no reason at all. It's it all it all depends on your mindset. Like, and I, I'd say to them, have that one have that one goal in mind, and keep thinking of that because that all that's what definitely helped get me through. Um, because you don't know how you don't you don't realize how how strong you are, like I said before, you don't realise how strong you are until you've actually got to go through it. But I know there's many people my age that are being diagnosed and stuff like that. And especially especially when you're a bit younger as well, you've got an even better chance, in my opinion. Because so, I've, met, I've met a few people around my age that have been diagnosed with different types of cancers and stuff. And they all seem to they all seem to have the same sort of, you know, the positive energy, if you like, you know, with being so young, mm-hmm. I feel that they've got the energy and the drive and stuff like that. But I, to be honest with you, I'd, um, I'd tell him that, you know, just cause you've heard the word cancer doesn't mean it's the end. You know, you can come back, you can, you can come back even better than you were before. There's every chance. It just depends how bad you want it as well as other things. And you can keep living even if you're back on treatment. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can keep living. I think I'm, I think I'm showing that right now. I'm, uh, I'm as busy as I've ever been. To be honest, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Like I'm, I'm social with my friends. I'm going to work all week. I'm playing my sports at weekends. I'll be doing the same in winter when football season comes. I'll be back playing football. I'll be socialising with football lads. Still be working. I'll do everything I can to keep, keep, keep normal if you like, but. I think that's something else I'd say as well. I'd say keep things as normal as you can. You're never going to process things in the same way again when you've been diagnosed with cancer because that's just the way it is. But keep sort of set goals for yourself. Like, you know, I wanted a new job and things like that. And I went out and did it and it turned out to be like the best thing I ever did. Connor, you or you call this a moving against cancer podcast as a kind of metaphorical moving and, and you really do epitomize what what we wanted to achieve um and you know you mentioned 
your your kind of strength and I think one of the things I love about oncology is seeing the tenacity of of humans when they're thrown up against you know something completely unimaginable um I like it, it's yeah it's been such a pleasure to chat to you and thank you for being so open and honest and I I know I know that you talking like this will help a big number of people some diagnosed with cancer kind of find their own way out of it and some people actually who've got no idea about what it's like for a young man to be diagnosed with cancer just understand that despite whatever news you get despite uncertainty if you want to you can find a way to keep on living through it and yeah you're just amazing absolutely thank you very much it's been it's been an absolute pleasure lucy speaking with you oh what an absolute privilege it was to be able to chat to connor um in that way it's it's something i don't think that many oncologists ever get to do and every time i do this podcast um i feel like i take so much from every single person that we speak to um if you've listened and you've taken something from listening to connor talk about his experience of cancer um please do get in touch we will pass on any comments and feedback to connor um and i'm sure that lots of you will be um utterly inspired by the way he's dealing with all the shit that's going on in his life um what an absolute legend um if you've liked if you've enjoyed listening please do share it with a friend um i actually think that this podcast particularly might be really interesting to people who um, aren't personally affected by cancer but want to get a little bit of insight into what it might be like to be a young person living with cancer. Um, yeah, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, as you know, I hate doing these finishes. Um, this is actually the third time I've done it because the first recording that I did a few days ago didn't work, so I'm trying again. So please bear with me. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another amazing guest. Um, and yeah, so have a good fortnight. Bye. Bye.